How's it going, everybody? Rich here, and welcome to an Embarrassment of Riches podcast, episode 7, for December 9th, 2016. Hope everyone's having a great day, and welcome to the place where we talk about anything nerdy in the crazy world of entertainment. Sorry it's been a bit since I've uploaded. I've had issues with uh, getting it all online, but uh, today's topic is going to be Star Wars Super Canon, a book I just finished, Rogue One, and my picks for some Star Wars media that everyone should check out. Let's talk about it. Disney acquisitions over the past few years have definitely changed some of the philosophies of the company that Mickey Mouse built. With the uh, buying of Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars, it's changed a lot of things. Certainly with the debut of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and its overlapping storylines between movies and TV shows, Disney and Lucasfilm decided that they should take a similar you know, direction when revamping the Star Wars franchise. Star Wars did have a bunch of books, comics, and other media before Disney bought them. But when they did decide to purchase Lucasfilm, they decided to get rid of a lot of those and do a hard reset of the Star Wars lore. Many things before that became uh, determined as legends, so it wasn't actually true, but possibly. Disney has picked and choose some old books to become part of the new books, but for the most part, the movies, all six movies, and now Force Awakens, and the Clone Wars TV show were some of the few things to remain from the old Legends canon. Now, when the reset, they did one huge difference compared to the Marvel or even DC comics in their uh, cinematic universes. All the media is connected. Video games, books, comics, TV shows, movies, they're all canon. Now, canon, for some people who don't know, is uh, the official storylines compared to maybe storylines that may be created by fans. So it's officially approved stories by Lucasfilm and Disney that they mention in uh, movies, TV shows, and other stuff like that. This, in general, is an amazing feat for a company to do. Just the idea that everything has a place in the storyline, and they may have to go and double-check to make sure they don't have the same character in two different places at once, or a vehicle, or a location that has maybe a battle happening in one storyline, and make sure the battle is still happening in other books. It seems to be a very, very organized system. For Star Wars, as well as other companies like Marvel and DC that are trying to make their cinematic franchises, the biggest issue with all these books, TV shows, and comics are, does it affect the movies at all? Mar- Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. hardly ever affects the Marvel movies, but the Marvel movies end up affecting the TV show. The DC TV shows did uh, something I believe is really smart and it are not even part of the DC movies. They're two whole different divisions. It gives them a lot more freedom to do whatever they want. But in the case of the DC show Arrow, the movie studio told the television division to remove certain characters, like Deadshot, because he was going to be heavily highlighted in the Suicide Squad movie. Yes, I may be a huge Star Wars fanboy and I have a ton of bias to them, but I really enjoy what they're doing with their canon media. Instead of making storylines that truly affect the main movie stories, they're giving us stories that maybe can't be in the movies. Maybe they give us background information on what's happening in other places, and uh, gives uh, different characters a reason and an importance. Some of these stories have even been used as Easter eggs in the movies. There were several in Force Awakens, and I'm sure there's going to be more in Rogue One. One thing you need to talk about with any of the canon books, the canon novels, anything like that, and it's very important for me and a lot of my friends who may not read all the books or anything like that, you should not need to read the books or see the TV show, or read the comic, or play the video game to understand what is going on in the actual movie. The movie is the big moneymaker in all this. That cannot be denied. But 
If you do want to find more enjoyment in what you're watching, you should be able to read those books and get a better understanding. Seeing some minor characters show up on screen and knowing what they had to do to get to a certain point in time in maybe a book or a comic increases your investment in them without even having them say anything on screen. I think it's a very interesting concept to be looking forward into the future. Now, that leads me to a book I just finished a couple days ago, Rogue One Catalyst. I end up reading a lot of the Star Wars books because, one, I'm a huge nerd, and two, I want to know everything about Star Wars, so it seems like a good, you know, time to be reading all these books and sort of learning up. This recent Star Wars novel was released as a build-up to Rogue One, a Star Wars story. It was written by James Luceno, and Star Wars Rogue One is actually coming out on the 16th, so it's a good build-up and lead-up for a lot of the Star Wars fans to get excited about the movie coming out. Did this movie really reveal anything spoilery from Rogue One? No, because in theory we should know what happens. The Rebels are going to get away with the plans. The Death Star is going to be built. So I think the book had a lot of free reign to do a lot of the in-the-middle work, do a lot of the different background characters and things like that. I did enjoy the story a ton, and it did some very smart things to get me excited for the movie. As I said earlier when I was talking about investment of characters you may see not as much on screen, but they are going to play a sizable role, I got really invested in Gala, uh, Galen and Lyra Urso, the main character Jin Urso's parents from the movie, as well as director Orson Krennic, who is the main antagonist of this story. He has certainly uh, come a long way at the point he starts, I believe, as a lieutenant commander in this story, and he ends up rising up the ranks. I won't get much into the story, not to spoil it for anyone who may want to read it after this, but you see Krennic and the Ursos used to be friends, and Krennic is a master manipulator and manipulates both them and others to move up in the Imperial ranks. Galen Urso's profession as an energy researcher also plays a huge role in this book. The story itself goes from a little bit after Episode 2 and gives us information from not, for not only Rogue One, but also Episode 4, A New Hope. The time stretch is actually quite long for this sort of book, and would be very difficult to do in movie form, especially since we've seen all the Star Wars movies. But it does, uh, but at least putting it in a book makes it much easier. And I, for one, can't wait for Krennic and the Ursos to meet up in the movie, because I know all the build-up leading up to it, all the lies and deception. Also, Krennic and Grand Moff Tarkin have a little bit of a competition between them, and since we see Grand Moff Tarkin a lot in Episode 4, I think I can sort of, uh, I think it sort of foreshadows what's going to happen to Krennic in Rogue One. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in uh, Rogue One, the actual movie. If you're excited about Rogue One, just want anything involving Star Wars, I definitely uh, recommend Rogue One Catalyst to you. If you're just interested in the backstory, definitely recommend that. If you want to see some of the characters before they air in the movie, maybe get some of their tendencies. One thing I do like is the directors also talk a lot with the authors. For example, Ryan Johnson, the director of Episode 8, worked a lot with uh, Claudia Gray on her book Bloodline, which involved a lot of stories about Leia and sort of the politics. So we can assume Episode 8 is going to have some politics. Hopefully not like the prequel politics, but we'll see, definitely see when that comes out in a year. If you're also interested in other Star Wars canon books or anything like that, some books I definitely recommend are Lost Stars, which is sort of a different look of well, uh, just a couple living in sort of these uh, the Galactic Empire times. You see shifts and changes, like they may love the Empire, they may hate the Empire, they may, uh, you know, switch to the Rebellion, a lot of that different stuff. I de definitely recommend Lost Stars. It's almost a... 
maybe even a romantic-ish novel in the Star Wars universe. It's not overly romantic, but it is a really cool look at, you know, two everyday people trying to live in the galaxy when it's in such turmoil. Another one to recommend is Lords of the Sith, which is a book that definitely focuses a lot on Darth Vader, Emperor Palpatine. If you want to see what the bad guys are sort of doing, definitely recommend that. In the terms of uh, books or comics or anything like that leading up to Force Awakens, they actually did a big uh, push for media before Star Wars The Force Awakens called uh, Journey to The Force Awakens. Two things that really uh, came for me were Before The Awakening, which is uh, three different short stories, one about Rey, one about Poe, and one about Finn, sort of about what they did, right? obviously, right before The Force Awakens. And another one that I really enjoyed was the Shattered Empire comic series. It's just four comics, but it uh, told the story of uh, Poe Dameron's parents and how they sort of uh, became part of the rebellion and what they did and uh, sort of different adventures they go on. Um, that does not go in completely into The Force Awakens storyline, but it is fun to see what Poe's parents did beforehand. And another book that, especially if you're excited for Rogue One, which is a war movie, I definitely recommend Battlefront Twilight Company. It was actually a book that came a, that uh, was released the same day as the Star Wars Battlefront game. Twilight Company gave, the, obviously, the story of a sort of a platoon of rebels sort of living their life battle to battle. It's a very, very fun and interesting book, and it does have a couple of characters and uh, a couple very, very cool moments, especially one with Darth Vader. I guess I'll just end with my final thoughts. The movies, for the most part, will always be made for general audiences. They will be made for grandma. They will be made for the guy that doesn't read the books. Or a female who's going for the first time to try to just, you know, see cool characters, cool action scenes, and stuff like that. The canon stories, on the other hand, allow authors and other people to expand the movies, expand the lore, and maybe even give ideas for the future. I would love a Lost Stars trilogy based on a book I really enjoyed, but just... The creators need to remember, don't confuse the general audience makers with things they may not have seen or read, because those are the real money makers for Star Wars. They're the reason it makes $2 billion, or, you know, uh, $1.5 billion. Those are the reasons why Star Wars is such a money maker, because it's so uh, easy to understand for all audiences. Now, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Uh, I hope to be doing a speculation video on Rogue One right before the movie comes out. I am going to be seeing it on Thursday, so I am super excited about that. If you need to uh, tell me how great it, I did, how bad I did, you know, why waste your time reading all these books? They don't mean anything. You can uh, talk to me by Twitter, at Richard Rosansky, and maybe even tell me what you want to see next. Also, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, or rate this video. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day or night. And always remember, stay on target.